0: Everybody, So I'm excited this morning I have actually Mr. Joel, he's going to help me out as we start um, our theme this morning, Bilingual Part 3, and if everyone can say hi to Mr. Joel, make Joel feel special, say hi, give him a hand, do something, air high five.
1: So Acts 2.4. Acts two four says. Dos, dice, Thank you. Gracias. Acts two four says, Hechos all of dice. them, and todos ellos, were filled, estaban llenos, with the Holy Spirit, con el Espíritu Santo, and began to speak, y empezaron a hablar, in other tongues, en otras lenguas, as, the Spirit. Go Enabled them. A- como el Espíritu los los les dirigió. So one more time acts 24 una vez más, Hechos 2-4, all of them turn to your neighbor and say all of them were filled with the holy spirit santo and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them el les Thank you, Mr. Joe. Now, you can come on up here close by here real quick. (laughs) Gracias. Puedes acercarte?
0: So this morning, as I start bilingual part three, I wanted
1: to request a little help from my friend, Joe. Now, I only speak English, but Joe, what do you speak? French, Japanese, Chinese, and Spanish. (laughs) Really? No way. Well, no. I can't lie in a pulpit. No, just Spanish and English. Thank you. That's awesome. Yes. So, you're bilingual. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. So, what does bilingual do for you? Well, it opens up a lot of different doors for me. You know, I don't just speak English. I can actually communicate with other people. they not necessarily from this country. So, yeah. it, it does open doors for me. Does in it? A lot has of it? And it has in my, my whole life of uh, work, business, and everything else that I do, it, it has opened up a lot of doors for me.
0: So the benefits is that it's
1: opened a lot of doors. Yes. Now were you born bilingual or you had to learn? No, I had to learn that. Nice. Well give Joel a hand. Thank you. Okay.
0: So Acts 2.4, I read it in English. Joel spoke it in Spanish there and I have no idea what he said, only with the hopes that he said what I read, right? Because I have no idea. I'm not bilingual. I'm not bilingual. I don't understand Spanish. But I read it in English. Joel spoke it in Spanish. And because Joel's bilingual, Joel shared it in Spanish as he heard it in English. Spiritually, this morning, the question is if the Holy Spirit enabled. The disciples in Acts 2 if they enabled the Holy Spirit enabled them and enabled means to download something new, something unknown in the blink of an eye, heaven connecting, heaven connecting to earth. So in a blink of an eye, enabling downloaded something new, something unknown in the blink of an eye, heaven connecting to earth in the in the moment the 12 disciples spoke a language that they'd never spoken before. They heard something they felt something they understood something they didn't even really just like I said I had no idea what Joel was saying I'm hoping he wasn't being mean to me I have no idea he could have been saying all kinds of mean things about me right because I don't understand but I trust him and so I understood that he spoke the English he spoke the Spanish translation of Acts 2 4 the Holy Spirit speaks to you me every single day but the question is does it sound foreign to our ears, or are we able to understand that it's the Spirit of God speaking to us? See there takes a level of trust, that takes a level of understanding, that takes a level of pursuit. The disciples, they put themselves in the right place, at the right time, in the right moment for the Holy Spirit to enable them. And we must place our lives the right place, right time, right moment to be enabled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit providing the means and opportunity and a moment. Enabled. Turn to your neighbor and say enabled. Enabled. But just as the Holy Spirit is out there to enable us, which sounds wonderful, how many of us know? Now, you know, I don't know about you, Joel me you if you're any kind of you like movies you know you like um, tv shows how many of us know if we just turn on the tv most shows there's good and evil right how many of us know there there's there's shows with demons right there's shows with angels how many of us know that you know whether it's you know the guardians whether it's star wars no matter what it is that you watch there's usually good and what evil So if the Holy Spirit is out to enable you, what is our enemy out to do to us? Disable. Disable means to limit someone in movement, in sense, and in activity. If the Holy Spirit, every single day, just as he enabled the disciples, just as he downloaded, just as he inputted into their brains, heart, mind, and soul, a language they never spoke before, just as the Holy Spirit is available for you to empower you to raise your body up. When it's hard to get out of bed, that Holy Spirit, when you allow the Holy Spirit to enable you to empower these bodies, to have strength beyond what our physical capability is, to be able to pray for people and see people get healed, to be able to talk Talk to people and see them get saved. The Holy Spirit enabling us to do things that are way beyond ourselves and our comfort level. The problem is, just as we see in movies and just as we see in TV, is the Holy Spirit's there to help. The devil also wants to help. And the devil, instead of enabling, he wants to disable you. Disable to limit someone in movement, sense, and activity. This is. Freedom weekend, right? This is July 4th, 2022. This is the holiday weekend. This is the weekend that we get to celebrate. Independence, it is a awesome and amazing day, an amazing weekend that once a year we get to celebrate. We've been celebrating it for a long time, right? We make it fun. There's barbecues and there's you know baked beans and corn on the cob and, and maybe some carne asada, whatever it is that you prepare. There's fireworks. More fireworks around our houses, fireworks Valley wide. So Boba, right, wherever they light them off. And celebration, right, of this great day. And so as we as Americans, we celebrate a physical freedom that someone paid a price for, there's also a spiritual freedom that God has for you. But the choice is, and the question is, are you walking in that freedom that God has for you? So if you have your Bibles today, our main text, and we start in Galatians chapter five, going to verse 13. And I do have it on the screens, Galatians 5 verse 13, it says, For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy yourself. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. So understand, again, this is the greatest, one of the greatest weekends we as Americans celebrate our physical freedom. Wow, wonderful. But even greater than a physical freedom is the spiritual freedom that God has given to us, that He paid the price for. And the first thing that Paul points out in Galatians 5:13, he says, listen, freedom, spiritual freedom, is not for ourselves spiritual freedom is for what to serve the person next to you. God wants you to be free and he wants you to feel and taste and sense a freedom that is way, that is way, way beyond. How many of us wake up every day and say, wow, well, it's good to be an American? Right? It's good to be American. It's good to be free. It's good to have the freedoms. We get to vote, supposedly, right? Because there's never any cheating involved with voting, right? But we get to vote as Americans, right? Every couple years, there's some kind of vote going on. It isn't that a wonderful freedom that we get to vote. We get to choose, supposedly, who we put into office. Most of us have the freedom to wake up when we choose to wanna wake up every morning. Unless you're on the clock, you know, and your boss tells you. I used to have this boss who, um, if I wasn't, he'd call my phone by eight in the morning. And so if I wasn't up and out, I'd race outside, pretend I was in the truck leaving, you know, so that he thought I was leaving to work. <coughs> and then he'd call me at 4.30 to see if I was home already. What a, what a horrible boss, right? Like if you're in food sales, You just want to work whenever you want to. But he'd call me at 8, and he'd call me at 4.30. I just couldn't believe it. There's no freedom in that. How many of us enjoy the freedom that many of us, we set certain things every single day that we get to choose to do? You get, how many of us, you choose for the most part what you want to eat today? You get to choose. Now, sometimes... I'm sorry, there are family who probably force you into eating things that you don't want to eat, like my parents did to me when I was five, made me eat green peas, and I hated green peas as a kid. They're okay today, but when I was a kid, those little devils, those little round green devils, man, I hated those, and then they made me stay at the table until I finished every single pea. I still haven't forgiven them for that, but uh, hopefully I'm going to get over that one. Green little devils, and I, I enjoy peas now. I think they're wonderful. Those little, little, uh, little you know round delights. We get to choose so many different things, and we enjoy that freedom. And what's interesting about the spiritual freedom that Paul lays out? He says, first of all, understand freedom is not for yourself. But the freedom I give you, that God gives you, it's what you do for somebody else. What are you doing for somebody else? If we're married, what are we doing for our spouses? If we have kids, what are we doing for our kids? If we are Christians, which most of us profess that we are, then what are we doing for the town and community that we live in? What do we do to serve with the spiritual freedom that God has given to us? He goes on to say, serve one another use your freedom to serve one another he says the whole law can be summed up in this one command love your neighbor as yourself but if you're always biting devouring watch out beware of destroying one another as the Holy Spirit we talked about is there every day to enable but we also have our enemy who's there to disable what is the one of the greatest things that he does to us as Christians Paul listed out in 15, biting, devouring, and destroying one another. Can you imagine if your family, can you imagine in in, in every house in America and every house around the world, if there was biting, fighting every single day and devouring of one another, what would that, that house feel like when you walk in? What is the devil trying to do with churches all over the world? Biting, devouring, and destroying. He's out there trying to break up what? God's work. He goes on in verse sixteen to say, "So let I say," he says, "I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let Him enable you. Then you won't do what your f- your sinful or a flesh nature craves." He says that sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires the opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. How do we deal with this spiritual battle that that Paul lists out that he says happens in every one of us? He says our sinful nature or our flesh is at war with the Holy Spirit of God every single day. How do we deal with these two forces that are battling for us in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, in our emotions, in our will, in our days, in our nights, in our weeks, in our months, in our years? How do we handle this in enormous giant battle that is happening every single day that is battling for us battling for good battling for our wives battling for our husbands battling for our kids battling for town battering for everything how do we handle this enormous giant massive battle that starts inside how are you handling that spiritual battle between your flesh and the spirit of god You know, I asked Joel to to help me this morning because, again, we all need a little help from our friends once in a while, right? And the Holy Spirit is called a friend. Now, the devil, he also is called a friend as well, right? And so you have these two at war with each other just for you. Just for you. Paul goes on to say, But when you, do, d- d- when you follow the desires of your sinful, fleshly nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, fighting, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins just like these. He says, let me tell you again, as I've done before, anyone living like a, s- a life that's sort of like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he goes on in verse 22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, they've nailed their flesh, passions, desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And so as we've been in this thought of being bilingual, as we've been in this, this talk and this thing about being, in a, in a sense, spiritual bilingual and being able to get our lives to the point where, yes, at times, all of us in here, we do hear God's voice. At times, there's a nudge, there's a tap, there's, there's a little quiet voice that we've heard the voice of God. But once in a while, to me, isn't good enough. It's not good enough for me once in a while if my wife wants to kiss me once a month. No, no. I want kisses and hugs and love every single day, right? It's not, I didn't get married for a once a month hug and kiss and blah, 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 right? As a Christian, we are not here as Christians to just be a little good enough. We're not here as Christians to just speak to God once a month. We are here as Christians, as believers, to be connected to heaven and earth together. That is, we are like these vessels that God connects heaven and earth together once in a while it's just not good enough it's not good enough for me i want it 24 7 i want to be connected and that doesn't mean with that thought that i'm so heavenly minded that i'm no earthly good jesus left heaven and came to earth and was he earthly good while he was here even though he was fully connected to the father could you be more connected to heaven than jesus christ Was He earthly good while He was here? Was He humble? Said He was. Was He serving? Said He was. Was He amazing, loving, compassionate? Yes, He was. Even though He was fully connected to the Father. Is your life this morning fully connected to heaven? Is it fully connected in such a way that it translates to the people around you in your life? Are we fully connected and listening bilingually to the language of the spirit? Because we all live by a language, we all live by a culture, we all live by sayings, we all live by thoughts, we all live by emotions, we all live by the drive that's inside of us. But more important than anything that's driving our vehicle, are we listening to the language of God? And Paul describes in Galatians that there's this absolute battle, the flesh and the Holy Spirit. The flesh who's out to enable you, help you, be your best friend, but also our enemy. And how many of us know as we celebrate Freedom Weekend that in a battle, it's really important to know what your enemy's like. If you ever got a fight in school, if you ever got a fight, you know, in junior high or high school, if you ever had a fight when you were a little kid, sometimes it's really important to know what you're up against. It's really important to know. If I'm going to get in a fight right now, I'll never forget this one time as I was um, did wrestling as a freshman in high school. And um, we had this friend group. There was me, Brian, Sam, and... Um, And then we invited one more friend his name was steven be part of our friend group and then there was four of us five of us then caleb and then our friend steven he had this other friend and so when i was a sophomore and i'll never ever forget this there's this kid who um and if you did wrestling in high school it was a pretty intense program I mean, we had to run miles a day. We did like, I don't know, 150 push-ups, 150 sit-ups. Every single day before you actually wrestled, they put your body, they pushed you. Man, and it was, it was intense workout every single day. So I got in pretty, d- pretty good shape, right? So one day my friend Steven, he had his friend over, and I can't remember his name, but he like, I can't even remember, he wanted to like to wrestle. And I, I'm like, in high school, I was 115 pounds close to what I am now, right? So I was 115 pounds and because I was in good shape and because I've been wrestling for a few months, like in two seconds, I took the guy and pinned him. And I was like, see, he underestimated me. He thought 115 pounds, little scrawny kid, no problem. But because of my training and because of the wrestling and because of everything that they went through and him underestimating me, I took him out in two seconds sometimes you don't you don't really understand and estimate the enemy who's after you every single day wars are being fought every single day spiritual wars are being fought every single day and so as we're in freedom weekends It's important to understand what spiritual battle am i facing today what are the spiritual things what is it exactly and so there's a few things i want to list about the enemy that all of us have the thief in john 10 it says this the thief comes to steal kill and destroy right john ten ten. 10 the thief's purpose is still kill and destroy 1 Samuel 13, verse 19, there were no blacksmiths in the land in Israel. Let me try and pull that up. Sorry. Here it is. 1 Samuel 13, verse 19. There's no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days, and the Philistines wouldn't allow for them because they would fear that they'd make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, sickles, they had to take them to the Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follow: a quarter of an ounce of silver for sharpening a plowshare or a pick, an eighth an ounce of sharpening an axe and a sickle or an ox. And so we see that our, our enemy, what does he like to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Number two, the verse that I just read that the enemy of the Jewish people he stole their blacksmiths. Now, if you're going to go to war, would you prefer to have a sword, or would you prefer to have a little pick? Would you prefer to have a sword? Now, a plowshare might work, right? shovel could work too right if 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 an army's coming against you, you'll take a shovel, right? You'll take whatever you have. But if we had a weapon of choice, we'd let. Probably would rather a nice, long, sharp sword that is just beautifully sharpened and ready to go. When the Jewish people lived in this moment, the blacksmiths were taken by their enemy. The devil's out to take your strongest weapon. Every one of you, you have a strong spiritual weapon. For some, it's wisdom. For some of us, it's faith. For some of us, it's the ability to communicate. For some of us, it's the ability to pray and see people healed. Whatever your strongest spiritual weapon is, for some it's serving, encouraging, loving, compassionate, right? We all have a strong spiritual gift from God. So what is the devil out to do? Steal, kill, and destroy every day? Secondly, rob you of your greatest spiritual gift. To physically take what is your strongest most powerful weapon. All of us have a very powerful weapon. We know in Genesis chapter three, one it says the serpent was the us of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any garden of the tree?" He steals, he kills, he destroys, he robs us of our spiritual gifts, and then he lies. He's a good liar. How many of us know good liars? How many of us have talked to our kids and asked them a question? Did you just make that mess? No, liar. How many of us have, have seen or even husbands and wives, you know, did you do this? No. How many of us, did you watch this? No. How many of us, simple little, we've been trained that simple little half-truths that I can, I can kind of tell the truth, maybe with a little bit of a lie. The devil, what did he do to Adam and Eve? He took part of God's truth, God's word, and he confused Eve in a point to get her, get her mind so baffled and confused. He steals, he kills, he destroys, he robs, and then he lies, and he's good at lying. The devil is such a good liar every single day. If, if the devil lied to Adam and Eve to change humanity, if the devil lied to Jesus Christ, do you think that you're, that I'm, that we're so good and that we're so spiritually elevated that he doesn't lie to us? Absolutely not, Right? If he, if he lied to Adam and Eve to change humanity, he lied to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, how many lies does he tell us every single day? How many lies does he tell our wives, husbands, our kids? How many lies does he tell people every single day? Because his goal is to what? Steal, kill, destroy, rob, right? Matthew. 1229 says, who's powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone who's even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. And so this morning, understanding our enemy and freedom weekend, robs, he steals, he kills, he destroys, he lies. And then you know what he's trying to do for every man, for every person who's the head of every household, for the single moms? You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to rob you of strength. Verse Matthew 12:29, "Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man? If you are the head of your house and your house is being robbed, most of us would fly and get ready and rage, to defend and to protect what God has given to us. And every man and every woman if you're a man and you're the head of the house if you're a woman and you're a single lady and you're a head of the house you have the right and duty to protect what god's given to you that physical house and that physical address but if we're thinking in a spiritual sense if our houses are like spiritual temples if our houses are like spiritual places where yes god does choose to meet here at church but you know he also does it at your homes as well The minute you stop and pray, God meets with you. The minute you stop at your house and you worship, God meets with you, right? God meets with us here in a different level, and God meets with us privately in our houses. We have a spiritual thing that should be protected as men and women defend our houses. And so the enemy in 1229, what does he do? He tries to take out the strongest person in the house. The enemy constantly trying to fight and take down and weaken every single man and every single woman who's ever the strongest person in the house how do you handle all of those things how do you handle the stealing the killing destroying how do you handle being robbed how do you handle this enemy that you can't see you can't punch you can't kick them how do you handle fighting in a battle that are physical eyes we can't see it how do we every single day when the enemy is trying to rob us weaken us how do you fight back July 4th. It's a beautiful weekend. It's, you know, a federal holiday that started and been celebrated officially since 1941. 1776, we voted in favor of independence from Great Britain. July 4th, 1777, the very first fireworks celebration. They also fired 13 guns in salute of the 13 colonies. Look how far America's come from that moment. Would we all agree this morning that we've come a long way? 1776, voting, deciding that we should be our own nation, that we should be free. 1776, men, women who came together, men who decided to pen the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson decided we need and deserve to be free. This is our country, this is our land, and we're gonna fight for what God has given to us and since then how have we as Americans from the very first July 4th how what has changed from fighting how many battles have we as Americans how many wars have we gone into how many young men and young women have given their lives on the battle line they sacrifice fighting for America fighting because how many know sometimes we go to war and I'm you know 45 But how many of us have seen wars and battles and question, what are we even doing? Who are we even fighting? Right? Have you ever thought about a war and said, what are we fighting? What are we doing? What's really going on here? For a couple hundred years, right? Plus, celebrating independence. And so our country, America, has fought to preserve freedom, standing, Believing, not only just freedom for ourselves, but we tried to do it for our neighbors as well. Right? We try to do that for our neighbors as well. Fighting, freedom, standing. And just as we don't understand sometimes the battles that we've seen in our country, just sometimes as we take a look back and we and we see that America fighting battles, and we're saying, why are we spending Billions of dollars and billions of dollars. And why are we helping these people? And why are we helping these people? And why are we not helping these people? You know, God sits back spiritually and He says, I'm watching your daily spiritual battle and I'm asking the same thing. The enemy's attacking you, the enemy's trying to weaken you, the enemy's trying to take you out, the strongest person in the house. And God's saying, I don't get it. Why? Why do you give in? Why do you listen? And sometimes there's things that we have to do to stand on freedom. And so I want to read another short story here. 1 Samuel, verse 14, starting in verse 11. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, Look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come up here. We'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb up right behind me. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, For the Lord will help us defeat them. Is that 1315. Nope, I skipped ahead. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about a half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Here's a story of a man who was the king's son. Special, right? If you're the king's son, you're special. There's an honor that goes with being the king's son. This story happened and was evolving right as the time where they had no weapons. And there's only two men in the kingdom who had weapons. The king and the king's son. They're getting their butts kicked all around them. There's war everywhere. The Philistines always wanted to beat up the Jews, right? Jonathan, the king's son, decided, you know what, I'm tired of getting my butt kicked. I want to do something about it. I'm tired of watching my family. I'm tired of watching my friends. I'm tired of watching my town. I'm tired of watching my brothers, my sisters. I'm tired of watching these people come in and they raid our country all the time. I'm tired of watching the devil beat us up every single day. I'm just getting tired of this. And so he decided to do something. And he only has one guy. And the guy that he has with him, he doesn't have any weapons. He says you and I we're going to go do something. You and I we're going to go fight somebody. We're going to go pick a fight with a giant. We're going to go pick our fight. We're going to pick a fight with the enemy. You and I we need to change and we need to create a different movement than what we're in right now. He climbs up between two rocky cliffs. There's a slippery side on one side. There's a thorny side on another. He's giving, he's sacrificing because the Jewish people needed some hope. They needed change. And he says to his armor bearer, he says, listen, as they see us, this is how we know if we have victory or not. He says, if they see us and they tell us to come on up, then we know God has given us victory and we're going to go for it. And that's exactly what happened. They laughed at him. They mocked him. And they said, come on up here. One man, one sword, one friend behind them, they go and they attack. It says over 20 people because there needed to be a positive movement change. How many of us in this this spiritual battle we're facing, God's asking us to do something different, but it sounds foreign to us. You look at Jonathan in this story, how many of us would have said as God put that idea on Jonathan's heart, how many of us was say, nah, God wouldn't want me to do that? God wouldn't want me to do that. He wouldn't want me to be that crazy. He wanted want me to do, do something that daring. What if I get killed? What if they kill me? I'm the king's son. Who's going to take over? Every one of us, see, we're battling through the thought, is this God? Or is this something foreign in our head? But in, in Freedom Weekend, and this weekend, God's asking us, as people, as men and women, have paid the price for our freedom, that you have to pay the price as well for someone's freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. For the spirit of the Lord, for the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say, Freedom. Galatians 5 1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by slavery. And my last verse, Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, God is so rich in his kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son, forgave our sins, he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Men and women had paid the price so that we an American can taste their freedom. Jesus Christ paid for your spiritual price so that you could be free. And as Paul said, our freedom is not for ourselves, but it's to serve somebody else. To fight, to kick. Like Jonathan in the story, I have to fight harder than I've ever fought before. Are you in a battle this morning that seems bigger than you? Is there anything that you are personally facing or somebody next to you or somebody that is in your life? Is there anything that any one of us are fighting and battling with? Now, we already know that our flesh and the spirit are just at war every single day. But what else is going on out there? What else is going on out there? How are you handling the fight? Jonathan had an armor bearer who stood behind him to protect him. Who's standing behind you to protect you? Who's standing behind you to encourage you to fight harder than you've ever fought before? Who stands behind you to tell you to keep going and do the right thing? Who stands behind you to tell you to keep serving when you don't feel like serving anymore? Who tells you and encourages you to keep giving when you don't feel like giving anymore? Who stands behind you and tells you to continue to do the right thing when sometimes we just don't feel like doing the right thing? Jonathan had an armor bearer who stood with him And he was there for him. And he defended him. And he watched his back. Who's watching your back? Freedom, not for ourselves, but it's what you do for the person next to you. Let's pray.